0: hi there i'm adam burton and i'm the pastor at central baptist church in maysville kentucky thank you for tuning in to my online bible study it's from the gospel project we are live every thursday night to study god's word this week's bible study is titled emmanuel god with us we will see that jesus was born to fulfill old testament prophecy that god would provide a way to dwell with his people to let you know where we're going in the study here are our three points One, Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit. Two, Jesus was born to be Emmanuel. And three, Jesus was born as Joseph obeyed. We'll get to our Bible study in just a moment. Before we do, one of the great things about our online Bible study is that we can engage in conversation. So as you watch, let me know what comments or questions you might have. Let us know what sticks out to you in this study. Lastly, we would love to connect with you on all of the socials. We are active on Facebook and Twitter, Instagram, and and YouTube. Just search for CBC Maysville. Stay tuned to the end for an important message about how you can go deeper into God's Word. Okay, let's get to our online Bible study. The Christmas season fills many people with incredible delight in the experience of family, food, and fun. But for others, the Christmas season means anything but glee. Family strife, broken marriages, and illnesses protrude in this season like a mountain of pain standing in the way of joy. A mountain of pain with winding roads may lay before us. Yet the book of Matthew stands tall as a billboard in front of this mountain and it says, The promised Messiah has come, and He is far greater than we could have ever imagined. Matthew's Christmas account serves as the guiding light on the winding roads of our painful mountains, reminding us that God Himself has come to be with us. You know, as we peer into the miraculous, prophecy-fulfilling birth of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18-25, through 25, let us look ahead with eyes of faith that we may glimpse His glory, lighting our path, granting us joy now as we look forward to the joy that awaits us on the other side of our pains. Our first point is Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived through the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Matthew wrote his gospel primarily for a Jewish audience in the first century, challenging them and us with this question. What will you do with Jesus of Nazareth? From the outset, Matthew was proving his point. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the promised king of Israel to bless all the peoples of the earth. Read with me Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The Messiah's birth story began with a scandal, or so it appeared. Mary was engaged to Joseph, but was found to be pregnant before they ever had sexual relations at the conclusion of their betrothal period. So Joseph naturally assumed that Mary had been unfaithful and adulterous. Joseph did not yet understand that Mary's pregnancy was the work of the Holy Spirit in her virgin womb. Our sinless Savior was not born through a natural conception, but through a miraculous conception, as utterly unique as He is. Now, While the details of Jesus' miraculous conception are, are vague, it is in, its reality cannot be denied without a host of important beliefs tumbling down around it, like removing the bottom piece of a balanced block tower. If Jesus were conceived by normal means, with a human mother and father, not through the Holy Spirit, then he would have been only human and not the God-man we need. If he were only a human born in sin and not also God, then he couldn't have lived a sinless life. He couldn't have lived a sinless life, then He couldn't die on the cross as our righteous substitute. And if He couldn't pay the penalty for our sins as a sinless Savior, then we are lost with no hope of a righteous standing before God. But thanks be to God. The Messiah came as the God-man, fully God and fully man, through the miraculous conception by the Holy Spirit. The promised woman's seed who would defeat Satan was finally here, and he is much more than anyone anticipated. Think about this. What are some ways the Old Testament foreshadows the miraculous birth of the Christ? Well, the Lord promised a descendant through the woman to crush the serpent's head. God sovereignly worked in the lives of Sarah, Rebecca, and Hannah as they would conceive children, though all through normal human means. The prophets foretold the coming Messiah in both human and divine terms. God intervened through an angel to clarify for Joseph the uniqueness and glory of Jesus' conception, because while God had foreshadowed it in the Scriptures, nothing in human experience could prepare him for the miracle and its purpose. Mary's son would be named Jesus, not simply as an acknowledgement that Yahweh is the Savior of His people, but because Jesus Himself would save His people from their sins. Jesus is Yahweh, the sinless Savior of sinful people. God, who knows the depths of our hearts, spoke directly to Joseph's fear. The angel addressed Joseph as the son of David, a, a nod to Joseph's royal lineage through which the promised Christ would come. The angel told him to marry Mary because her baby was not conceived out of sin, but through the Holy Spirit. Through this marriage, Joseph would assume legal fatherhood for the child and bear responsibility for naming him. Therefore, the baby would be born of the virgin, would indeed be the promised son of David. The name Jesus is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew name Joshua, which means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is the personal covenant name of God that that He revealed to Moses. Jesus' very name communicated His mission to save people from their sins. The primary purpose of Jesus' coming was not what many Jews expected of the Messiah. Many were anticipating the Messiah to free Israel from their Roman oppressors and establish the military and political dominance they had enjoyed in the time of King David and King Solomon. Jesus' revolution, however, would would be focused on the greatest need of all humans at all times, freedom from the sin that separates us from God. Think about this. How do people today focus solely on earthly concerns and not on their need for salvation from sin? Maybe their goal is, is a good reputation before people without concern for the relationship with God. Financial concerns of making ends meet and doing well in society you know, it can keep one from eternal concerns. Or maybe political concerns that can dominate a person's focus. Maybe even parents uh, can focus on education from an earthly perspective to the detriment of their child's need to know the scriptures and to hear the gospel. Our second point is Jesus was born to be Emmanuel. Jesus was born to be Emmanuel. Matthew often paused his story to comment on how Jesus' exp- Jesus's experience fulfilled some pattern, prophecy, or principle from the Old Testament. Here, he paused to reveal how the conception, birth, and naming of Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophecy of Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Read with me here, Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew unveiled a divinely orchestrated parallel between the immediate fulfillment of Isaiah's Old Testament prophecy of a boy named Emmanuel born to a young woman and the future fulfillment of Jesus' birth to the Virgin Mary. The immediate fulfillment entailed a young woman conceiving a son through natural means, but the complete fulfillment entailed an actual virgin conceiving a son through supernatural means. Matthew highlighted this prophecy to drive home his point. Jesus is the promised Messiah, the fulfillment of Israel's expectation. The immediate fulfillment of the prophecy assured Judah of salvation from a military threat but the complete fulfillment ensured the spiritual salvation of God's people. The details surrounding Jesus' birth not only prove His identity, but they also remind us of the faithfulness and trustworthiness of God and His Word. Jesus was born to fulfill the Old Testament prophecy that God would provide a way to dwell with His people. If God has kept His numerous promises to Israel by sending the Messiah, won't He also keep His numerous promises to us now? Listen to this essential doctrine, the virgin birth. The Bible affirms that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. The virgin birth affirms the historicity of the incarnation, where the eternal Son of God took on human flesh. The virgin birth is significant in that it also serves as a reminder of Old Testament prophecies while also affirming both the deity and humanity of Christ. The events surrounding Jesus' birth lined up with Isaiah's prophecy. The purpose of Jesus' name, that he would save his people from their sins, implied that he indeed is Yahweh. Understanding this divine implication, Matthew applied the name Emmanuel to Jesus, not just as a symbol, but as reality. Jesus is God with us in every sorrow. Jesus is God with us to save us from every moral failure. Jesus is God with us on mission, and Jesus is God with us forever and ever. Listen to this quote. He died for all who ever saw, no help in them, nor by the law. I this have seen, and gladly own salvation is by Christ alone. Now let's look at the meaning of Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. Like the triune nature of God, the miraculous incarnation of Christ, God the Son took on human nature through the work of the Holy Spirit in the Virgin Mary's womb. It's a reality. We can't just grasp completely. See, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. He is the only man worthy of our worship. Let's look at the significance of Jesus as being Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus felt hunger, fatigue, and great grief. He felt the sting and, of being misunderstood, hated, abandoned, betrayed, and left to hang on a cross. God the Son in the flesh completely immersed Himself in our physical, emotional, and spiritual pain. God or Jesus is God with us in every sorrow. Jesus did all of this to become the perfect sacrifice to pay for our sins. On the cross, Jesus, who never sinned, became sin and endured the full wrath of God for our sins. The death of a perfectly righteous human could atone for the sins of another human. Or, I'm sorry, they, yeah, the death of a perfectly righteous human could atone for the sins of another human. But only God himself could endure the fullness of God's wrath to atone for the sins of all sinners and rise from the dead three days later. Only Emmanuel, God with us, could accomplish such great salvation. Jesus is God with us to save us from every moral failure. After Jesus rose from the grave, he, he gave His followers incredible commission. Go and make more followers of Jesus from every nation. Attached to this command was the incredible promise of His eternal presence. Jesus is God with us on mission. No, one day, God will again dwell in the fullness on the earth. In the new Jerusalem, God the Almighty and the Lamb of God will be enthroned forever. Jesus is God with us forever and ever. Think about this. Why is Jesus' presence with his people such an encouragement? Well, we can know that we are never alone, never forsaken, never abandoned. Our obedience to God's commands and Jesus' mission is its possible because we are strengthened by God's presence. Jesus' presence with us confirms God's love for us and guarantees our eternal salvation from sin. Our last point is Jesus was born as Joseph obeyed. Jesus was born as Joseph obeyed. Read with me Matthew chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Don't miss the incredible leap of faith Joseph took when he obeyed God's command to marry Mary and assume legal fatherhood of Jesus. Joseph would be subject to the town's confusion, distrust, and disdain. Who would believe Mary's baby wasn't the result of his lack of sexual restraint during their betrothal? I mean, can you imagine the the whispers and, and scoffs dripping from people's lips at the mention of Joseph's name? Joseph's obedience wouldn't be applauded by most people, but he sought the applause of the only one who matters. See, empowered by God's words through the angel, Joseph believed and obeyed. God's words spoken through the angel empowered Joseph's faith and subsequent obedience. First, God reminded Joseph who he was, a son of David, through whom the promised Messiah would come. By addressing Joseph this way, God reminded Joseph that he never forgot his promise to David. God was now calling Joseph to take his place in the lineage that led to the Savior. Second, God spoke to the fear that threatened Joseph's faith. Joseph's fear certainly wasn't unfounded. God knows that we face circumstances that are legitimately frightful, but He also knows how to to speak to our fears through His words so that our fear doesn't keep us from obedience. God's words told told Joseph that God was up to something greater than Joseph's fear, the salvation of His people from their sins. Empowered by God's words, Joseph believed and obeyed. Obedience to God is an act of faith. See, when we distrust God's goodness, wisdom, power, and authority, we aren't inclined to do what He says. But when we are convinced that God is good enough, gracious enough, and powerful enough both to command what He wants and to empower us to do what He wants, we're compelled to obey. Our obedience or disobedience to God communicates whether we believe He is trustworthy. See, we become convinced of God's trustworthiness as we immerse ourselves in God's Word, which declares over and over again God's holiness, love, power, and faithfulness. And as our faith grows, sweet fruits of obedience come forth. See, Joseph, he's a model of faith for us. But could he ever have imagined the significance of his faith-driven obedience? He was a man from a small town who simply sought to pattern his life after God's word. Yet this very kind of person, yet this is the very kind of person that God delights to use in great ways for His glory. This was the kind of person that God used in the birth of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. So too the acts of our obedience, even the smallest ones, are used by God in eternally significant ways. See, following Christ often feels confounding and painful, thankless and marginalizing. We seek to live for God, but then we lose our job, our reputation, our marriage, our child, our health. We may know of Jesus' promise that we will experience trouble in this life, yet the pain of a new or lingering trial always feels like a shock. Grief has a way of making us feel abandoned and condemned, yet at the crossroads of our brokenness and faith. God is at work to sanctify us and to use us for His glory in ways we could never imagine. We see this truth in Joseph's life, but do we believe it for our own? Can you imagine the generational and eternal significance of your day-to-day simple acts of faith-driven obedience, maybe such as choosing love over retaliation, gentleness over wrath, faithfulness over dominance? If Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then you can trust that every single step of obedience that you take is well worth it. see, the God who used Joseph in the coming of Emmanuel is the same God who is eager to use you for His eternal purposes as you daily yield to His word in faith and obedience. Think about this. What are some ways faith-driven obedience can have eternal significance? We see models of faith-driven obedience for the next generation of believers in our families, right? our communities, in our churches. Maybe faith-driven obedience extends to sharing the gospel, which can impact others for their eternal joy in Christ. Faith-driven obedience also reinforces our sanctification and desire for eternity as we live now in God's presence. From the beginning, God chose to use humanity to spread His glory throughout the earth. He made humans in His image to fill and to cultivate the earth as His very own representatives. Adam failed, but God did not. God later chose the nation of Israel to model His character and justice to the rest of the nations. Time and time again, Israel failed, but God did not. Through Israel, God sent His Son to become a human and perfectly live as the radiant and complete image of God. He is Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus, fully God and fully man, did not fail. He succeeded in obedience on our behalf and for our instruction. When we place our trust in Christ, we receive His forgiveness, righteousness, and friendship. We also receive His mission. God is still working through human beings, His church, to spread His glory throughout the earth by presenting Christ in His fullness to others. Because we have been forgiven of our sin through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we present Christ in His fullness to others as fully God and fully man, the one who provides forgiveness of sin. Here are some ways for you to apply God's word to your life. How does the promise of Jesus as Emmanuel, God with us, encourage you to obey in faith? What are some ways your your church can show those suffering in your community that Jesus came to be God with us this holiday season? Who will you introduce to Jesus, the Christ, the Savior of the world? Listen to this quote. God's will and the obedience of His people have great power in changing the course of individual lives and indeed the history of the world. Pray with me. Father, we praise you for, your, you for Your love and grace shown in sending Your Son, Jesus, to be Emmanuel, God with us. You have provided for our salvation by faith in His name, and You have given us Your Spirit to empower our faith-driven obedience. Help us to, to obey You with gratitude in our hearts, and help us to proclaim the name of Your Son with boldness and joy, so that others can believe in His coming. Amen. Thank you for watching this week's Bible study. Remember that Jesus was born to fulfill Old Testament prophecy that God would provide a way to dwell with His people. Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary to fulfill Old Testament prophecy and to to affirm that He is the Sonless Savior, God in the flesh who came to dwell with people and to save us from our sin. Connect with me if you would like to know how Jesus can change your life forever. Would you like to dig even deeper into this week's Bible study? Join our online Bible study Facebook group where you're going to get a short study each day. You can find us at facebook.com groups obscentral OBS Central. That's facebook.com groups slash OBS Central. If you enjoyed tonight's Bible study, would you share it with your friends? Lord willing, I will see you next Thursday for our online Bible study. God bless.